0: We're considering verse 16 together tonight as we near the end of our trek through the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 16, is our focus. I'm going to read the prologue, verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to read the second table of the law, the fifth through tenth commandment. But again, our focus is on the ninth commandment, verse 16. Once again, please give your careful attention to the living and active sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Let's skip down to verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's stop and pray together. Father in heaven, we have just sung in Psalm 86, you are the merciful God, full of grace and slow to wrath, abounding in truth and in love. And Lord, as we consider tonight how we are to speak the truth how we are to speak the truth in love, how we are to not speak what is false. We pray that you would manifest uh, your truth to us, show us your uh, glorious and perfect character, Uh, show us our sin where we need to see that, Um, but show us our Savior, Jesus, and his perfect righteousness and his rich grace that even now begins to conform us to his image. So, Lord, use your word in us tonight, Um, work in our hearts, uh, convict us of sin, conform us to Jesus, and glorify your name. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we begin to wind down our study of the Ten Commandments, we come tonight to the Ninth Commandment. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Often people will just use the shorthand, you shall not lie. Uh, This commandment, like the 5th through the 8th commandment, has to do with your conduct towards others, how to love them. Uh, We've seen so far God calls us to value and guard authority, life, marriage, sex, property. And in the ninth commandment, he says we are to value and guard the truth, and we are to value and guard the reputation of our neighbor. We're not to sin against God and our neighbor with our tongues. Instead, we are to use them for good. We're to use them to tell the truth and to love our neighbors. Now, you've probably heard of the old saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never harm me. Uh, That has a nice ring to it, but it doesn't really ring true. The fact is, words can do a great deal of damage, a greater damage than sticks and stones. And so James says in James 3, The tongue is so small a fire, yet it can set ablaze a great forest. Well, in this commandment, God intends to protect us from that, And also to guide us in how we can use it for great good. Instead of speaking lies and harming our neighbor, we can speak the truth and build up and love our neighbors. And that's what the ninth commandment calls you and calls me to tonight. People of God, God calls you tonight to use your tongue for good. To use your tongue to speak the truth and to love your neighbor. Use your tongue to speak the truth and to love those around you. Well, we want to try to understand and apply the ninth commandment tonight. And so let's seek to do so by first looking at how we must not use our tongues. How should we not um, speak? Let's consider first bearing false witness. Verse 16 again, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, the immediate context of this commandment envisions a courtroom, the legal testimony of a witness. God forbids bearing false witness, not telling the truth in this context, testifying falsely to harm someone. God expressly forbids this in order to protect the innocent who are vulnerable Uh, There's a lot at stake when giving a legal testimony. Think about it. Uh, The property, the freedom, uh, the very life of one's neighbor can be at stake. These things can depend on the testimony of a witness. Bearing false witness is the deadliest and the most harmful type of lie uh, because it it could condemn the innocent for a crime that they didn't commit. Uh, where there is no truth, there can be no justice, no protection of the accused. And so this is why a witness who gives sworn testimony is first asked something along these lines. Do you solemnly swear that you will tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Or, or under the pains and penalties of perjury. You've probably heard that language before. God expressly forbids not... Telling the truth in this context, not bearing false witness. But this commandment, and you're probably coming to expect this now as we've gone through all of them, this commandment goes far beyond just that scenario. It includes all kinds of false speech and lies and not speaking the truth um, in everyday life. You don't have to just be in a courtroom to break this commandment. You don't have to be a sworn witness Um, to go against this law. God forbids lying in whatever form that takes. All deception with our words, Uh, half-truths, twisting the truth, spreading rumors, overstating our accomplishments, or exaggerating the failures of others. Really all speech that is not true, that's not a reflection of reality, or that's intended to harm our neighbor. So this would include things like smooth talk, flattery, slander, libel, gossip, using our words with the intent to harm our neighbor or his or her reputation, their, their name, or also wrongly trying to promote our own name. Proverbs warns repeatedly about the damage of slander and gossip. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: a dishonest man spreads strife, And a whisperer separates close friends. Now, it's been said that this commandment is nearly universally condemned, but also universally practiced. Everybody says, you know, you shouldn't lie. Um, But very few people live that way. And this is far too common and far too acceptable. And so how do we seek to keep, by God's grace, keep from all of it lies, deceit, gossip, Well, we need to recognize where these things come from. All of this originates in the sinful human heart. Selfish, sinful motives and desires. Uh, The desire to promote or protect our own name. Um, It starts with thinking ill of others, not loving them in our hearts. Loving the self more. And so if we want to keep from this, we need to root out And recognize the selfishness in our own hearts. We need to consider our neighbor better than ourselves. We need to do to him or her what we would want done to us. We heard that already in Matthew 7. We need to treat others as Jesus treats us. And we need to preserve and protect and promote the reputation and good name of our neighbors like we do for our own instinctively. And this is really important. Proverbs 22, verse 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. This means that we need to assume the best of others, need to consider them innocent until proven guilty, not the other way around. It means not only do we speak ill of them and not spread gossip, but we don't listen to it either. That just adds fuel to the fire. Now, what if someone wants to tell you about another person? What if they want to complain or share news, or um, they probably won't call it this, but gossip? Whatever the reason. And it could, it could even be true. But in order to avoid gossip, in order to avoid letting that flame Spread most of the time, you should politely ask them, Well, I'm not sure that you should go on. Please don't go on. And ask them first, Have you prayed about this? Have you talked to God about this first? Second, ask them, Have you talked to the other person? Because I'm not sure that I want to hear this if you haven't talked to them first. And then third, you might try asking if they would be willing to say this in the presence of that other person as well. If they can't answer yes to some of those questions, it may be best to say, well, I don't want to hear right now. Your concern might be legitimate, um, but I don't think it's right for me to listen. And encourage them then to talk to the Lord about it, uh, to talk to that person, so as to not spread slander and rumor, even unintentionally. Now, there are times with pure motives when maybe counsel is needed. Um, it, the counsel of another needs to be sought discreetly, ultimately for the good of your neighbor, um, but that's rare. You know, we need to actively and carefully avoid false witness, lies, and slander and all occasions for it. There also may be uh, times when a person has hurt you physically or emotionally especially if that person, kids, especially if that person is bigger than you or older than you, or maybe if that person is in a position of authority and you suspect that speaking to them could perhaps cause more hurt, um, it can be appropriate sometimes to speak to someone else about that, to, uh, to report that for safety purposes, to seek help and safety as long as you're speaking the truth and you're not intending to harm, you're not spreading falsehood well that is a, just a little bit of brief quick version of, of what this commandment forbids and how to go about avoiding this behavior but I want to now talk about the flip side the positive positively how are we to speak how are we to use our tongues well the ninth commandment tells us we are to give ourselves second tonight to speaking the truth in love Speaking truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, Christ. And then verse 25 says, Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth. Instead of speaking what is false, speaking lies, seeking to harm others, we must speak The truth in love. Uh, We must value the truth and protect and preserve and promote it in all of our communication. That means even with our our new technology. We must speak the truth at the right time and in the right way and with the right motives uh, to honor and love the Lord and also to honor and love our neighbors. Speak the truth in love. This means we need to seek to preserve the good name of our neighbors, uh, speak well of them. It doesn't mean we say things that are not true of them, um, but we seek to preserve their good name, to build them up. This doesn't mean flattery, doesn't mean lying, but saying what we can about others that is true in order to praise them and encourage them and value them. Ephesians 4 goes on to say, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. It goes on and says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you, and walk in love as Christ loved us. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in kindness towards others as fits the occasion uh, to build others up. Now, there are plenty of situations where it's better to actually say nothing at all. The Ninth Commandment teaches we need to say the right thing, the true thing, at the right time in the right way when it's our duty to say it. But the Bible also says things like be slow to speak. Uh, Be quick to listen. Guard your tongues. Well, this this commandment often raises the question, is there ever a time to lie? Is there ever a time to withhold the truth? Uh, Some of you, maybe young boys, if you've thought about being a spy someday in your future, you might want uh, a very direct answer tonight. Uh, But the fact is, it's a really complex and difficult question. It's a question that I can't tackle um, tonight, but I will say that it does seem that the Bible does give some examples um, that it doesn't condemn, examples of lies or deceit in the context of war or in the context of life and death situations. I'm not going to go through all of them tonight, but you can think of the Hebrew midwives, uh, Rahab, and then uh, David in multiple military situations as well. And so that leads me, and not everybody comes to this conclusion, but that leads me to think that there may be rare occasions, times of war or security, times of life and death when the truth could be withheld or deceit may be justifiable, uh, when that truth might be used to do great harm and to take life and so forth. And again, not everybody necessarily agrees with that, but we don't have really time tonight to address that question in full but I do want to address a question that does regularly occur I think for all of us thankfully most of us in this room are not often in life and death situations we have not found ourselves in the situation like the the Hebrew midwives but here's a situation that does occur often for us what about when we know the truth about our neighbor and it's not good What if they have a fault or a sin? What if they have wronged us in some way? Are we obligated to tell that truth? And if so, how and when? And what should we do? If there's conflict between you and your neighbor and you know the truth, at least you think you know the truth, that they are wrong and they need to change and repent. And this actually happens a lot, doesn't it? Because we're all sinners and we're not yet in heaven. Um, We're still being sanctified. Well, in this situation, we need to know it's very easy to misstep. It's easy to gossip, to complain, to speak ill. And most people will have the tendency either toward, towards either a response of fight or flight. They, they might tend to want to fight, to attack the person, to speak ill of them, to deal with the issue in anger. Others maybe more often tend towards flight. They try to just ignore it not think about it they let it fester and you try to avoid conflict when something probably does need to be done well that's not what we should do so what should we do well first of all we need to slow down and pray and think about it and ask ourselves can i can i overlook this can i cover this in love can i forgive is this really an issue is it a sin Is this my business? And if not, or if you can overlook it, then do so and move on. And know that the Lord forgives you and overlooks your sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's likely that people do this for you more often than you realize. There are ways in which you've wronged them, and yet um, they overlook it in love. But if you can't overlook and you can't Forgive if after prayer and thought you still think it needs to be addressed because you are hurt or wronged. You're generally concerned for their well-being. Then again, you need to pause. And as Jesus told us in Matthew 7, you need to take the log out of your own eye first. Matthew 7, that means examine your own heart. Examine your own life. And this might be humbling. It should be humbling, And it might reveal that you really need to focus more on yourself. Maybe you're not the right person to address this right now. You need to focus on your own sin, your own part maybe in the conflict. But then there are still times even after those steps where you must confront your neighbor with the truth and in love. And with the goal of forgiving and restoring. At that point you go to them privately and you speak to them in love in gentleness, this is what Jesus taught in Matthew 18. Um, what to do if your brother sins against you. Then, if that does not work, then you're called to take one or two others with you. And you go again in love and in gentleness and in humility, ready to forgive. Ready also to admit your own wrong. And finally, if that still does not work, then you quietly go to the church, says Jesus, um, and seek their help. Well, that's the biblical pattern. It's a very quick crash course, but that is the biblical pattern, and it helps us to avoid gossip, to rightly handle the truth, and promote forgiveness and love. But notice, nowhere in the process are you supposed to go to others to complain, or to gossip, or to spread a report, or be hasty in jumping to conclusions, now, again, we mentioned earlier, there, there can be times where you may need to seek help or report if you or someone else has been harmed um, for the safety and well-being of, of those involved. But normally, in our personal relationships with peers, we handle and speak the truth in love and patience in this way for God's glory and for the good of our neighbor uh, following this pattern. And that prevents so much heartache, it prevents the snowballing of the conflict, it prevents discord and damage, and it brings honor and glory to God. It gives the opportunity for restoration and forgiveness. Well, more could be said about that, but God calls you to speak the truth in love, and that leads us to consider third and finally tonight, the goal of this commandment. The goal of this commandment, which is becoming like God. Becoming like God. Some of you may be thinking as we think about this together tonight, well, that's, that's all nice, but, but why is this such a big deal? We're all human. And we're all sinners. We all do this. I mean, it's not the end of the world, is it? I've never testified in court. I've never sent anyone to jail or to death row. Um, Little white lies, they're not all that damaging, are they? Others might ask, how can we actually know the truth, let alone speak it without fail? And some will go so far as to deny the existence of truth. Why Why make such a big deal out of truth and lies? Well, on one level, as we've seen, it's to protect us from our own sinful, selfish hearts, It's to protect us from harming each other with our tongues. But on a far deeper and far more fundamental level, lying is antithetical to the very character of God. And that is why it's a big deal. That's why it made God's top ten list, if you will. He is the God of truth. We were reminded of that this morning with our Proverbs reading he's infinite eternal and unchanging in truth his word from beginning to end is true he himself is faithful and true in all that he says and all that he does god loves the truth and he hates what is false proverbs 6 says of the seven things god hates 3 of them are a lying tongue, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Jesus called the very first enemy of God, Satan. He called him a liar and the father of lies, John 8:44. Satan came to deceive Adam and Eve. He questioned God's truth. He said, "Did God really say and he told the very first lie. You surely will not die. And he's been lying and leading people away from the truth ever since. Very successfully. Of course, under the sovereignty of God. But God is fundamentally opposed to lies. He's fundamentally opposed to all that is false. And this commandment is based off of that. It's based off of who God is. His Character, He loves the truth. He hates lies, and he wants his people to do and to be the same, to become like him. After his words about our words in Ephesians 4, Paul wrote this in Ephesians 5 verse 1. He said, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us. The law, the Ten Commandments, and in particular the Ninth Commandment, is intended to guide us in becoming like God, in imitating his goodness, his love, his character, his truth. Colossians 3 verse 9 through 10 says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Why should we not lie? Because we are being remade. We are being renewed into his image. We're becoming like God, and lying is not like him. We've put off that old self that was becoming like Satan, the father of lies, and our new self is becoming like God. And God means for you to become like him. And one of the ways you must do that by his grace, by faith, is with your tongue, with your words, with the way in which you communicate, by speaking the truth, by loving others with your words. And brothers and sisters, I want to ask you tonight, how are you doing in this area? How are you doing with your tongues? Are you becoming like the Father in heaven or like the Father of lies? The God of all truth cannot be lied to. He cannot be deceived. He knows the truth. He sees everything. You can't get away with lies with him. You might among men, but not with him. And so where you examine your life, where you see you not using your words with truth and wisdom, you need to repent and you need to seek his grace and you need to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ with thankfulness that he took your sin and died for you and he lived a perfect life, never once lying, so that you might have his righteousness. And then you need to seek his grace in repentance to become like him. Lord Jesus, forgive me and teach me, conform me to your image. Well, brothers and sisters, the ninth commandment calls you, it calls me away from bearing false witness. It calls you to the virtue of speaking the truth and love, and its aim is to make you like God, to conform you to the image of your Father. But as we close tonight, as we think about all this, we do need to be honest as we think about our own lives. Uh, Who of us can do this? Who of us is living this currently? On our own, we resist the truth. We lie. We speak what is false. We often don't speak the truth, and many times we don't speak it in love. If we're honest with ourselves, most of our lies, most of our deceit or gossip has to do with our own name and our own reputation. and We try to gain glory for ourselves. Try to make ourselves look or feel better. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has come. Thanks be to God. Jesus has come and he did the opposite. Philippians 2, verse 2 said, He made himself of no reputation, he became a servant. He took on human flesh and he was humbled to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is why God sent his son the way, the truth, and the life. He came to defeat the father of lies on the cross by making himself of no reputation. He came to die for us so that he might forgive us who are sinners and liars. He came to make us like him. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. Friends, through the work of Christ, through his life and death and resurrection, because he cared for you and your name and for the name of his Father, you can become like him. You can be forgiven of lies and deceit. You can be set free by the truth. To live and speak the truth. To no longer live and speak for your name but for his. And so, like Christ, in Christ, and to Christ. Brothers and sisters, use your tongue to speak the truth. Use your tongue to speak the truth by God's grace and to love your neighbor. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do confess that this word from you does convict us of our sins. We fall short. We speak for our own name and our own reputation and to the harm of others. We do not speak the truth at times. At times we speak it, but not in love. Lord, we have sinned against you in so many ways. And we pray that we would not try to hide that, but that we would confess our sin because you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We praise you and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who is our righteousness, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and who sets us free from our slavery to sin and death. And we pray that because of him and in him and through him, to his glory, you would conform us to his image. You would enable us to um, not be led into temptation, but delivered from evil. And to speak the truth, to not speak what is false. Lord, do this ultimately for your name, not for us, but for your name. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.